You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 812 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live on a Sunday evening into Monday morning. And today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked On. You'll get $10 off on your next order. Thank you, as always, for joining me on the podcast. If you missed anything from last week, we had a jam-packed week of shows with Jackson Frank, Tyler Jones, and then a crossover mock draft with Chris Manning and Matt Peck at the end of the week, as well as some NBA news to catch up on at the end of last week. Please click the subscribe button if you've not already done that, and if you already have, thank you so much for joining us, as always. Today's podcast will be... A little bit of news catch up at the top and then uh, some semi-mailbag questions in the second half of the podcast as you probably already saw when you saw the description for this podcast. But we'll dive right in with a bit of news from the middle of last week that I never touched on on the podcast. And that is a report from Chase Hughes of NBC Sports Washington that emerged in the middle of last week saying that, that the Hawks are among the teams, quote, expected to pursue, end quote, Davis Bertans in free agency whenever that actually is arriving. We thought that was going to be mid-October, maybe not at this point in time, but uh, Bertans is a name that many have discussed, and uh, the reporting from Hughes also puts the Knicks and the Suns on the list of teams expected to go after Bertans in some form or fashion in free agency. But Hughes did write that the Hawks are, quote, shaping up to be particularly aggressive, end quote. Now, we'll tackle, we'll tackle the potential fit in a second, but first things first, the Hawks are going to be linked to a lot of free agents between now and and when guys start signing, I was talking to some people from around the league, uh, both on my side of the media aisle as well as in, internally that work for teams, and uh, everyone had the same reaction to this. Yes, it could be real. Um, at the same time, it could be the fact that the Hawks, and really the Hawks and the Knicks are the two teams that everyone is circling as the perfect agent fodder. Um, Atlanta could add a number of players, and because they have so much cap space and they're pretty interesting, agents are, are going to be floating the Hawks throughout this process, and the Hawks will be linked to guys who, who actually they don't want. I'm not saying that's the case for Bretons. I don't know that to be true, but just keep, keep your guard up at this point, especially this early with regard to all the rumors because the Hawks are a perfect team to be floating for leverage in this offseason. Also, um, obviously, I'm not definitively saying that the Hawks won't sign Bertans, but a report like this does not mean they will. And that's not a shot at Chase Hughes, by the way. This is probably good reporting on his uh, on his side. Um, but at the same time, it's just keep that in mind. Some perspective is necessary, and that's not a shot at the reporting at all. Just the fact that uh, we, I, I, I hesitate to put too much credence into something like this this early. Now, in terms of the player, Bertans is a very, very good offensive basketball player. Uh, he's a genuinely elite shooter. Right now, he made more than 42% of his threes this year on huge volume. Uh, he attempted almost 14 threes per 100 possessions. That's a crazy outlier number. Um, also shoots them off the move. Um, his increase, his volume increased this year, but it was already really high even before this. Um, he's a proven commodity as a shooter, big time. Um, he got more aggressive this year in a good way, sort of hunting his own shot and being uh, just a, a standalone weapon for the Wizards, helping them uh, be really good on offense, actually, for the most part. They were, they were terrible on defense, but offensively, um, he was a big part of their success. Um, he also ranked straight, uh, as strongly above average in spot situations, catch and shoots, uh, moving off screens. He's just a ridiculous shooter. That's that's what to put this with Bertans. That's his primary skill, his primary appeal, and it's very, very real. Um, again, he was a big reason why the Wizards were pretty good offensively this year. And by the way, overall, even even uh, sort of when factoring in defense to some degree, the Wizards were, no- were notably better with him on the court than when he was off the court this year. 
Now, there are some fit and defensive concerns in Atlanta. Bertans is a little bit older than you would want. He'll be 28 before next season starts, which isn't terribly old, but given that he's probably going to get a three- or four-year deal because he's one of the better players on the market, his age is definitely notable. Also, he has a pair of ACL tears on his record, which does matter when considering a long-term investment in a player like Bertans, who um, does not profile as a starter in Atlanta, which we'll get to in, in, in a second. Also, you know, it's probably a bigger deal because of his age, um, and it's also a bigger deal just in general because of where the Hawks are. His defense is not good. Uh, he's a below-average defender by any any description, I would say. That's tough for the Hawks to navigate, particularly at the position that he plays. Bertans is really a power forward. Uh, he can play some three on the offensive end of the floor, especially because of his movement shooting, but he really can't defend threes at all. Um, he's 6'10". That definitely helps. But he's not a great athlete. He's not particularly strong. He's not a great rim protector by any means. He's kind of a mess in space. Um, I should note that he's not like completely and utterly terrible defensively. There are guys who are worse than him for sure. But he's definitely a below average defensive player and a strong negative on the end of the floor. Which again, I think the whole overarching theme here is that offensively would be very helpful. But defensively not so much. So my uh, thesis is that it would be very hard for the Hawks to pay him starter money. And that's what he's probably going to get on the market. Uh, the Wizards turned down some very reasonable trade offers for him at the deadline because they want to keep him. They have his bird rights, and they're telling everyone that will listen that they want to keep him around. Of course, Washington does have some money problems potentially, and there could be some uh, squeezing going on with regard to the pandemic and the fallout from that. So keep that in mind. Things have changed since February, so maybe the Wizards aren't, aren't in the same position to, to pay him, but there are other teams that might want to pay Bertans as well. He opted out of Orlando. I think he knows he's going to get paid, um, either in Washington or elsewhere. Again, offensively, he would un- unquestionably help the Hawks and give them an awesome shooter. The Hawks had all kinds of shooting issues last year, which, which I chronicled over and over again on this podcast. Now, the good thing about that is the Hawks' core guys are all decent or better shooters, but their supporting cast last year was just terrible as a uh, as a shooting commodity overall. Um, Bertans obviously would help that, and offensively he'd be awesome playing next to Trey Young. Um, but unfortunately, it give a lot of that back defensively. You can't really play him um, for any length of time with Trey Young and John Collins. I think uh, just because that wouldn't work. You know, you're either talking about playing Bertans at the three, which is pretty much untenable defensively, or you're trying to play a Bertans Collins four five, which isn't going to stop anyone. It'd be awesome off- on offense for sure, but you'd be leaning very very heavily into that all offense kind of realm with that combination. He would be awesome off the bench. But again, he's very likely to get starter money from somebody. It's just a tough integration when you factor in the defense and what the Hawks already have. Again, I think it'd be interesting if you could possibly bring him in in that spot role. But just for the money that he's likely to command, that's kind of what it comes down to is that he's going to get starter money from somebody. The the projections that I have heard around the league and read around the league are something like in the $15 to $18 million range annually. Could be even more than that. Even if it was $15 million a year, that's considerable money for someone who is not going to start for you, flat out. As long as the Hawks have John Collins and Click Capella on the roster, you can't start, you cannot start Bertans. And, you know, there's plenty of minutes to go around, but you don't, you don't want to pay that much for a 15, maybe not 15, let's say 20, 25 minute a game guy. That's just too much money for that kind of player in Atlanta. By the way, he's worth that in a vacuum. It's just the situation is not ideal. Um, so, Overall, the last thing that people were asking me about this in response was there's like sort of this one-year balloon payment kind of idea to keep the salary cap clean long-term. That's not a bad idea, by the way, um, but a lot of the reporting projects pertains to get real offers, like $50 million, like $50 million or more in guaranteed money over the life of a deal, and it's kind of hard for him to justify taking a one-year balloon payment deal over that kind of offer. Now, it's not impossible, but 
generally, this is probably going to be his one big payday in the NBA. He's made some money in the league, but nothing like this. And he's lined it up perfectly. You know, again, he opted out of Orlando for a reason, etc. So I totally get why Hawks fans get excited about Bertans as a potential offensive fit because he would be a lot of fun as a shooter. Um, again, very fun, and he would really help the offense. But unless Atlanta has, you know, Atlanta has a ton of space, I get all that. And they don't, there's nobody like, great to spend it on. I've been saying that the entire time. I've been accused of like not wanting the Hawks to sign anyone because there's not a great fit, and I totally understand that. There are just better fits, in my view, than Davis Bertans. That might actually be a little bit inferior in terms of players. But Bertans, for the money that he's going to get, and listen, if I'm wrong, if the whole league is wrong, basically, and what I've been hearing slash reading, um, if everybody's wrong and the market collapses on him, then yes, there is a spot for him at a reduced rate from what I think. Even in Atlanta where the fit's not great because you just bring him in as a bomber and a specialist and that's totally fine. But if the price is three or four years at starter money, that's a different kind of sell. Even if the Hawks do have the money right now, long term, it gets a little bit dicey. So again, the combination of market and what I'd be willing to invest probably does not line up in the end. But Bertans would absolutely help the Hawks if they can get him for a reasonable cost. So I will keep that in mind. And Atlanta does have the cash base to sign up if they want to. So hopefully that's a good round, a good rundown. If anybody has questions, please f- keep filing them to the mailbag. We'll touch on them in the, in the future. But free agency is coming. Uh, we don't know when exactly, but Bertans is now, the I think, the first official name that has been actually reported. You know, rumors versus reporting, all that stuff. Um, until someone is actually linked to the Hawks uh, in published reporting, or if I've heard something, then I will take it seriously as a rumor. Until then, it's all just fake fake ideas, and we'll talk about one of those in a second. But there you go on Bertans. Uh, an interesting player, to be sure, and someone the Hawks have now been officially tied to in the free agent game. Okay, before we get to the rest of the podcast, a word from today's sponsor, and that sponsor is Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious than before. I've told you in the past how much I really love the original Built Bar flavors, but there are now 18 amazing flavors to choose from, including six new flavors, and they are and they include, I should say, caramel brownie, lemon almond cheesecake, and a personal, personal favorite of mine, and that is cookies and cream. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and importantly, they're all soft and easy to chew. From there, it's crucial to note that Built Bars are fantastic for those of us trying to be health conscious. You can maintain or even lose weight while still indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber, and Built Bar is even great for the keto diet. Go to BuiltBar.com. Right now, use the promo code LOCKEDON. When you do that, you'll get $10 off on your next order with Built Bar. One more time, that is BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON, for $10 off your next order. Check it out at BuiltBar.com. All right, now we'll dig dig into the mailbag a little bit. Um, A couple of these questions are not even uh, specific questions, but there's one that is actually coming from a reader uh, slash listener. And that person's name is Charles, and they say, Bill Simmons went on his podcast and criticized the Hawks again for the for the Dennis Schroeder trade. Would your opinion change at all by how he has played this year? I know you like the trade when it happened. Okay, so this is a question that's been out there for a while, but it's, I've shared my thoughts on, on this trade before, but I'll, I'll say I'll share them again here because I guess it might, might have come up again. Candidly, uh, I did not hear this podcast, nor will I hear it. But alas, uh, the short answer is no. My opinion has not changed on the trade itself for Atlanta. Even at the time of the deal, I did say repeatedly that I thought Dennis was going to be better in OKC than he was in Atlanta, and that's proving to be true. His defense especially has ticked up in a better system for him um, and with a smaller offensive role. And to be fair to Dennis, he was even better this year than I thought he would be. So shots to him. He was he was very good this year in his role. Keep that in mind. Now, this is a deal that worked out for both teams. There's nothing wrong with that, and it's fact it's sometimes fun for that to happen. Uh, it saved OKC a ton of luxury tax money short-term to dump Melo. They saved them like $30 million or more in luxury tax money. And they were trying to win in the way the Hawks weren't at that point in time. 
and they needed to ideally turn Melo into a rotation player. They did that with Dennis. Now, overall, on the Atlanta side, nothing has changed in terms of value because the value didn't change for Atlanta. Just because Dennis played well does not mean the, the, the deal is invalidated for Atlanta because, honestly, Dennis is a good player and a useful player, but it was never going to work out in Atlanta. And I think everyone knew it, including the Hawks. It was much easier for him to go out and play a secondary role next to Chris Paul in a new spot with the Hawks. You would ask the guy to be the number one option, and then you're bringing him back to be a, a clear number two and maybe back up Trey Young. That was not going to ever really work personality-wise, on-court-wise, etc. They couldn't play together. They were too small to do that. I know I know Schroeder's been playing with Chris Paul and Shea Gilch Alexander, but uh, Chris Paul is a great defensive player even now, and Shea is like 6'6". Um, it was not, not going to work with Dennis and Trey, period. Um, so also the Hawks were able to get, get, get off of Schroeder's long-term money that they didn't, that they didn't want, frankly, if you're drafting Trey Young, Dennis Schroeder is no longer in your plans. That was very clear from the moment that happened. I know the Hawks said otherwise, but they knew that they could not keep him long-term. And they also added a first round pick for their trouble. I know it's sort of a fake first from Oklahoma city, which, which, which we discussed in the past, but it's a real asset. It turns into two second round picks. That was not nothing that the Hawks got out of that trade. And uh, yeah, they didn't want that turn, that contract long term, period. And uh, I understand that, and I, I defend that move still at this point in time for Atlanta. So without without relitigating the entire thing, I think Simmons' initial evaluation was comically bad in the moment, and I said that over and over again. Uh, I thought it was ridiculous the way that he framed it, and I, I, I guess is still framing it. I haven't heard I haven't heard that, but um, people were reaching out to me telling him that he still hates the trade for the Hawks. That's fine. Um, I don't care about that necessarily. Uh, if he still thinks it was a bad deal for Atlanta. I don't agree at all. Uh, for Oklahoma City, sure, it was a pretty good trade. I, I, totally, I totally understand what they, what they were trying to do even back then. And again, I thought Dennis was going to be better elsewhere, especially defensively, than he was in Atlanta where he was taking on this huge role and it was not his best role. So context really matters. And that's something that's important to note with everything in the NBA is that guys are better in certain roles, certain systems, etc. This is the case with Dennis and it was not going to work in Atlanta. So uh, I still feel the same way I did then. It's a good trade for the Hawks. I still believe that. And uh, there you go with that. Okay, this is going to be the last one that we touch on on this shortened individual podcast, but it's not really a specific mailbag question, but ESPN released a piece with seven fake draft trades that their writers want to see, and one of them involved the Hawks, and I talked about it on Twitter, and then people were asking me to sort of expand on it, so here I am doing exactly that. So, uh, basically, it was one of two fake trades that were designed to get LaMelo Ball to the Knicks, which is a popular construction. LaMelo would be a great fit in New York, um, and it was a three-team deal with Atlanta, and Minnesota, who has number one pick overall. So essentially, the Knicks would be sending number eight, number 27 in this draft, and their 2021 first-round pick with light protection to get all the way up to number one. So that's the Knicks side. The Wolves would be sending number one to New York. They would get the Hawks pick this year, which is six, and then the 2021 pick from from the Knicks, which is probably going to be a pretty good pick again next year in order to do that. The part that matters for this podcast, though, is the Hawks side, and essentially it would be number six for the Hawks, four, number eight, which is currently the next pick, and number 27, which is currently the next pick. So essentially you're, you're, you're sliding down two spots and getting a late first-round pick to do it. Now, one of the specific hiccups with, with this trade exactly, this exact construction, is it would have to happen before number one was actually made, which complicates matters for Atlanta specifically because they would not they would, they would not be able to know who's, who's available at number six. And that's a huge thing. A lot of the reaction from Hawks fans that didn't like this idea was that, you know, what if X player is available and you trade down, you wouldn't want to do that. I totally get that. That's one of the hiccups here is that the Hawks would love to know, I'm sure, who is available at six before they would, before they actually entertain trading down uh, to number eight. 
depending on how your tiers are set up and how the top five goes, that really could matter. So, for example, a few of the responses I saw were focused on like Danny, Danny Abdia, Devin Vassell, Isaac Cora, whether, whether the Hawks actually could fall too far and miss all three of them. Now, that sentiment's fairly common, though not uniform, with Hawks fans. And that trade is a good look at that sentiment. I think if you're dead set, if the only thing is you have to get one of those three guys, which I'm not saying, but if the idea is that's th- those are the guys that you want, there is some risk in trading down two spots to go from six to eight. If I had to guess, I think at least one of them, and probably probably Vassell specifically, will still be there at number eight if you want to do that. But that's not a guarantee. You cannot guarantee that right now at this early stage in the process especially. So the big thing is kind of where your tiers break down about this draft. If those three guys are in their own tier for Atlanta, this deal is less appetizing for the Hawks because there's a risk, again, that all three of them are gone, and that's pretty tough to swallow. Um if you have a larger tier, though, the deal makes a lot of sense value-wise. I think this is a good value trade, broadly, for Atlanta. And again, that de- it, it all depends on who's available. I totally get that. But in a value sense, I think trading down and getting a, an actual first-round pick in this draft is a pretty good value. So I would guess, again, that the Hawks probably could get Vassell at 8 if you wanted to make me choose right now. Even if they couldn't, they could probably get someone like, like Halliburton or Kongwu, maybe Toppin, somebody like that, a value guy in that spot. And also... Just in general, going down two spots in the middle of the lottery and getting a first-round pick that you can lock in for very cheap for four years is good process. I know this is not the greatest draft in the world, but if you compare number 27 in a normal draft to 27 this year, it's pretty similar. I think the problem this year is more at the top, and when you get deeper, it's fairly normal. So a late first-round pick is pretty valuable, and the Hawks don't have that kind of um, asset on the roster right now. Um, I understand the Hawks don't need more young guys in theory. That's the quote-unquote need more young guys theory. But the Hawks do have roster spots to fill. If you can get a guy that can come along slowly, bring him along, and maybe even take a swing on like a, a stash guy or something like that, the Hawks don't have a ton of capital in the future. I know there's this notion that the Hawks have so many young players, and they, and they do have a lot of young players. But picks-wise, they only have one extra pick moving forward, and it's that Oklahoma City pick that may not even actually convey. So they're not like under this entire asset chest where they have all these picks coming. So adding another guy to the mix is not a bad idea necessarily. Now, as far as the fake trade itself is concerned. The team that I would be skeptical of is the Knicks. They're giving up a ton in that deal. I know the ball is a great idea for the Knicks, in my opinion, but you're trading next year's first-rounder in a loaded draft, uh, lightly protected, as well as two first-rounders this year. That's a lot to pay. But for the Hawks, if you made me choose right now, today, if I have to say yes or no, I'd probably say yes to this trade. Um, I did reference this last, last week with Tower Jones uh, on the podcast, but I generally think the Hawks are at least the guys in the Hawks range, I'll say, are pretty close together. Now, ultimately, I would love to get someone like a Coro Oversell or even Denny. Um, but I think it's, again, more likely than not that one of those guys is still going to be available at eight. And adding the value of getting that uh, another first-round pick bridges the gap far enough for me to take this deal. Now, to be fair, it's not a grand slam of a trade by any means, and I totally get why someone wouldn't want to do it, especially right now when you don't know who's going to be available. Because if all three of those guys are off the board, it does become harder, and I totally get that. Now, if the Hawks were dead set on a certain player, they're not going to do this trade. So that, that's what it comes down to. If, if Travis Schlenk has like circled a guy, um, and this is just an example, but if it was James Wiseman or somebody like that, just pick, just pick a guy out of a hat. And I'm not that's, not, that's not me saying that on purpose. I'm just picking a guy. If the Hawks were set on one guy, they would not want to trade down until they knew that guy was going to be available for them, or at least had a good, a good idea. At this point in time, they couldn't possibly know that. But alas, Value-wise, it's a good trade for the Hawks, in my opinion. It backs up sort of my overall view of this draft being pretty flat, taking multiple swings, and I think the value is trading down overall. 
in this class or maybe even trading out. Definitely not trading up. I will probably answer more of these questions, but I've gotten several about trading up for Anthony Edwards, et cetera. Uh, not my favorite idea. Trading down, you know, there are only a couple of teams uh, that have multiple first-round picks in this particular draft. If you wanted to get two picks this year, which is not, exact, not necessarily what you have to be doing in a trade-down scenario, but if you wanted to, it's the Knicks and the Celtics, and that's kind of it uh, in terms of uh, in terms of teams that actually have two first-rounders this year. But the Knicks, that you know, you'd be hard-pressed to find a more natural trade offer in this class than the, than the Knicks offering eight and twenty-seven for six. Um, I do think that it's probably more likely that it's eight and twenty-seven for six to get Killian Hayes at six than it is to go, to do this like super package to go up and get Lamelo Ball. Um, but if you're on the board, if you're the Hawks and you're on the clock at number six, and the Knicks call with eight and twenty-seven. And if you're the Hawks, you know that you have three guys left on your board. You got to do the trade because that that, that way you're, that way you're guaranteed to get one of them, etc. So I don't know. There's a lot of moving parts here. Value wise, I think it's pretty good. That does not mean you have to do it though. And again, the wrinkle with that particular fake trade is that you have to do it ahead of time, and that makes it a lot harder. So uh, circle that one. We'll come back to it. And uh, fake trades are hard, but that one was made up for me, so it's a lot easier to evaluate one that's presented to me than actually to make one up out of thin air. That was Kevin Pelton, who's very responsible over at ESPN. So I wanted to weigh in on it because people were asking me. So all right, that's, that'll do it for today's podcast. Thank you for listening to the show. We do have some more mailbag questions coming in the near future. I'm probably going to do always like one a week mailbag wise. We do have a sort of a, our coffers are pretty full right. Now, with that said, if you have a question, please fire it to me on Twitter or on Gmail. I have a Gmail account set up for just, for just this purpose at LockedOnHawks at gmail.com. Also, my Twitter account is at BT Roland. You can, you can also DM or tweet at the show at LockedOnHawks on Twitter. I will try to answer as much as, as many as, as I can. Some of them are pretty similar, and I try to combine them if so, but um, please keep them coming. I'll try to answer them, and we'll have, again, like one mailbag show every 10 days or something like that, probably, until we know more about what's going on with the draft. We do have more draft coming in the future. In fact, they have a couple, a couple shows uh, playing this week that are draft centric, but alas, that'll do it for today's podcast. Please subscribe. That is always, that's a huge thing. I know I always ask you to do that, but please go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Please tell a friend, please leave five-star feedback. Um, also just follow us on Twitter, all that stuff. And we will see you next time.